And welcome back, sports fans. It's another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Mr. Coach Donnie Hess, here as always with my faithful co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Brad, how you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Donnie. We got quite the weekend that just went by. Uh, a couple of footy results that I think you and I are going to be very happy to talk about. And especially for our own team, the team that you coach and the team that I play for, our, our hometown club, the Des Moines Roosters. We had our first couple of footy games over the weekend. We got two wins from two games down in Kansas City. Thanks again to the Kansas City Power for being great hosts, as always. Getting to see them in St. Louis get back into the swing of things is always fun. And it was a really nice little weekend. So I think we're ready to get going with the next one. Yes, still plenty of sports still to go. We still have plenty to talk about. Let's go through our game plan, great game plan really quickly. We start with football. The Gold Cup is now to its quarterfinal stage. We'll quickly wrap up match days two and three. And who's moving on to the quarters and who is playing who? MLS's backgrounds 13 and 14 have already gone by. Wow, does the, does it just seem to go very, very quickly during this time of the year? We'll quickly preview round 15 and so on and so forth. Hockey, the night of record, we have the expansion draft tonight. We got to talk a little bit of hockey. Who's free? Who's protected? Who's unprotected? And who could potentially be calling themselves part of the inaugural Seattle Kraken? And last, and last, we go down to Australia and footy, more COVID chaos, more interesting results. And wow, just wow, can this not get any more crazy? And then we always end it, speaking of crazy, with Brad's crazy stat of the week. Let's jump right into it. Gold Cup, match days two and three are done. Our quarterfinals are set, but let's reverse case. Let's look at match day two. Mostly, if we look at it, it was status quo when it comes to results yeah you know it it was kind of interesting seeing how everything ended up turning out and I think in terms of how everything went in terms of the bracket itself I think we got somewhere along the lines of what we thought was going to happen Uh, let me pull it up real quick my phone loves to just you, you know how technology just loves to completely crap out on you at the worst possible time you know but um Yeah, so the one big one that I was looking at was Costa Rica versus Jamaica. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, just looking at round three a little bit. But I think that the Costa Rica 1-0 win over Jamaica was big. I'm I'm really high on Jamaica. Uh, I think that not enough people are paying attention to them. I think that they're very, very tough to play against. Corey Burke, Shamar Nicholson, and Alvis Powell at the back has been a really – Big one for them as well. Andre Blake, of course, we all know from MLS and the Philadelphia Union. Leon Bailey is another name from Bayer Leverkusen. But Costa Rica doing well. They get a 1-0 result. Ryan Ruiz getting the goal there. And then another one I think that surprised a lot of people was Qatar. They get a 2-0 win over Honduras. They're able to prove themselves against them. And a lot of people are really high on Honduras as well because they have a lot of MLS talent, a lot of familiar faces to a lot of people. But Qatar comes into the tournament, and they go and do really, really well. I mean, they were able to get two wins against Grenada and Honduras, so they were able to get up into the top of their group. So if you want, we'll go ahead and take a look real quick at our Gold Cup bracket for this upcoming tournament and the knockout round. So we have Qatar versus El Salvador being played in Glendale, Arizona at State Farm Stadium. And the winner of that match will take on the winner of the U.S. men's national team versus Jamaica being played in Arlington, Texas. So this is a really tough one 
But for me, I'm going to go with El Salvador and the United States. I, I just think that El Salvador knows how to play in these types of tournaments a little bit more than Qatar. They have a little bit more experience in that squad. They're a really tough, gritty team. And that's the type of team that you need to win a CONCACAF tournament. I mean, if you know, if you know anything about the way CONCACAF plays, you know that it's tough and physical and kind of just rough and tough footy. So I'm going to go with El Salvador and then the United States. I think that, yes, this is a B slash C team. Yes, they're still trying to get a little bit of of who's who and trying to determine what they want in terms of a, a lineup there. But I do really like the way that they've set up. Daryl DK is playing really well, and I got to show some love to my boy, John Luca Buzio, getting it done and getting his first couple of caps at the USMNT, getting into that six role and really playing well. He really made a difference. The instant he came on for Jackson Newell in that first match, I mean, you could see right away that he was really trying to set himself up for success and set, him set his teammates up for success. So I think that they have just a little bit more to get over Jamaica and set up a, a showdown with El Salvador. And then the bottom of this bracket is really interesting too. Mexico versus Honduras and Costa Rica versus Canada. This is such a tough one to call. I think that Mexico, I think will get past Honduras. I think that Honduras is a very good team, like I was saying earlier, but I think that Mexico has just got a little bit too much quality in that team. And I don't think they're going to, let anybody down in terms of that. And I think they're going to get past Honduras and then Costa Rica versus Canada is a tough one to call. If they had a couple of other players, if Akinola hadn't gotten hurt, if Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies were in the team, I'd be very tempted to pick Canada in this game, but I do think that Costa Rica is just a little bit healthier. I think they're a little bit more experienced. I think we're going to get Mexico versus Costa Rica. So for my final four, we got El Salvador, USA, Mexico, and Costa Rica. Donnie, what do you think? It's just very, it's just very interesting because yes, Qatar came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody expected them to get out of the group, especially with Panama, with with Panama and El Salvador in the group. I think a lot of people thought that they would be, they would be kind of out physicalityed out of that group, but they they find a way to win the group and they give themselves a nice little draw to to get to the semifinals. But it'll be very interesting and, and to see the U.S. find a way to get that one nil win over Canada. They scored early, one minute in, and then. It was kind of the way the game went. So happy for the States again, win the group. That way they avoid Mexico until the final. I'm pretty much with you. The only difference that I would have, I don't know, for some weird reason, I think Qatar beats El Salvador. I think Qatar knocks off El Salvador in the first game. I think they got a little bit of momentum. I agree with you. I think the U.S. beats Jamaica. I think the U.S. has just enough to beat this Jamaican team, though Jamaica tends to be a boogeyman for both the U.S. and Mexico, but that's usually in the semifinals, not the final, not the quarterfinals. So, so I'm going to have the U.S. win in that, and I'm completely with you in the bottom half of the bracket. I think Mexico just has a little too much for Honduras and Costa Rica. I think they've got just enough talent, and Canadians are missing some of their superstars. I have Costa Rica playing Mexico in the other semifinals which would be two really, really intriguing matchups in the semifinals of the Gold Cup. We go from the Gold Cup there to your beloved MLS, and we got we get so lucky. We get a nice little treat. Round 13 and 12 are done. Let's go through it. Let's look back at some of the results. I mean, this this league is really shaping up over these last few weeks, and now that it's back, Who's kind of who's kind of impressing you, and are we really seeing our our favorites for winning the West and East? 
Yeah, I think we're starting to see a little bit more of what teams are for real and which teams are pretending. So for me, I think the biggest one was New England getting a 1-0 win on the road against Atlanta, led to the firing of Gabriel Heinze after just 17 competitive matches in charge of Atlanta United. He is gone now. And so Atlanta are going to be on the lookout for a new coach. They have an interim boss in there at the moment, but a good win for New England on the road in a really tough environment. And then another one for me is Columbus getting another result over NYCFC 2-1 win there. And then if you saw the craziness that was the Montreal versus Cincinnati match, you were not disappointed in that one. The first match back in Stade Saputo in a very long time for Montreal. It was a great comeback win for them and a really disappointing result for Cincinnati. And then Hani Mukhtar, really quick little hat trick in the first half for him as Nashville runs out 5-1 winners against Chicago. And then the big one on Sunday is Minnesota United pulling a 1-0 result out of Seattle and handing the Sounders their first loss of the season. So Seattle drops three points there, and that opens the door tonight for a sporting Kansas City at home to potentially tie the Sounders on points and go ahead of them on wins and put themselves in first place in the shield race as it would stand at the moment. And then a couple of the other games that are going to be shaping up tonight, we have Columbus versus Nashville, a really interesting game there. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch FS1, Portland Timbers versus LAFC tonight. That's going to be a huge one. And then tomorrow night, we have two huge ones on ESPN, starting with Orlando versus Philly at 630 and Austin FC hosting the Seattle Sounders. And that's crazy. And then the, the crazy thing is you go into the go into the weekend and I see, man, a absolutely mouthwatering round 15 matchup Seattle with Seattle versus sporting on Sunday, man, that is going to be an incredible game to watch, man. The MLS is just getting down to the nitty gritty. I love seeing great teams playing each other at the pointy end of the year i think that's going to do us for mls let's jump to hockey as we speak and less than a couple hours from now the seattle kraken will start its expansion draft and i don't know about you but i'm super excited for this because i'm very interested because man were there some very interesting unprotected players on the unprotected list, I got to say, I mean, I, you've probably looked at that. Who are some of the players that surprised you that have been left unprotected and could potentially find themselves in Seattle next season? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think the obvious one is Carey Price. Uh, however, it has been confirmed by Emily Kaplan at ESPN that they will not be going for him as they think the contract is a little bit too top heavy for their salary cap. So Carey Price is going to remain a Montreal Canadian. But a couple of the big ones for me, Vladimir Tarasenko was unhappy with the way that St. Louis handled his injury problem. He has requested out. So they've left him unprotected in the draft. So we could potentially see Vladimir Tarasenko suiting up for the Seattle Kraken. And then the world champion Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time world champion Tampa Bay Lightning, they've left Yanni Gord unprotected. Uh, that's a that's a really interesting one, and I think that it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not they pick him, and they've left a couple of other ones. Luke Shen is available, um, and then Andre Palat as well. 
And so there's going to be a lot of names from the Lightning, especially, that are going to be interesting to see whether or not they go for. And Alex Kalorn as well. I mean, he's available as well. James Van Riemsdyk from Philadelphia is another one. So there's a lot of really interesting choices that could be taken by the Seattle Kraken here. Yeah, I'd be very, very interested to see how that goes. And just I'm quickly flipping through. P.K. Subban is left unprotected by the New Jersey Devils. Do to do to do. Just going. Corey Schneider from the New Jersey from from the New York Islanders is left. Un- Jonathan Quick from the Los Angeles Kings. Yep. So uh, several goaltenders. I'm I'm very interested to see. I'm honestly I the the St. Louis Blues with. Um, Tarasenko, that one actually didn't surprise me very much after that that story had come out that he was unhappy. I did hear that one before. Martin Jones from this uh, San Jose Sharks is left. Man, just a lot of interesting, interesting names. Um, it's going to be very, very fascinating. And to see, does Seattle kind of play like Vegas did? Do they... Do they call some of these GMs and go, hey, we're planning on taking this person. If you don't want us to take them, what will you give us to make us go for somebody else? Which I think might also be another idea for, for Montreal. As Montreal may have said, hey, if you're going to take Carey Price, is there any way we could do a trade potentially too? Just that's that way they could protect Jake Allen, who I think is kind of their, their goaltender to be in Montreal. So that's going to be very, very fascinating. I know um, I'm going to be keeping an eye. Are you going to be keeping an eye on this expansion draft? And do we see any fireworks tonight? Oh, definitely. I'm definitely, I'm going to be dual screening the sporting match and the expansion draft. So we're going to have a little bit of everything going tonight. So it's going to be very interesting. And I got to say, this is just, this is a fantasy football, hockey, baseball, whatever players dream. I mean, this is literally fantasy sports in real life you're literally creating a team from scratch and seeing how it goes and you got to fit it under the salary cap and all of that and it's going to be interesting because the owners have given general manager ron francis the ability to spend up to the cap they're saying go out get who you want in this team we'll pay what needs to be paid so it's going to be very interesting to see especially what route they go in, in terms of goaltenders because like we said, there are a lot of netminders that are available and could be taken. It's just a matter of how do we fit everything under the salary cap and make sure that everything is, is all sorted out. And then the Kraken have the number two pick in the rookie draft coming up in a little while, and we'll be able to cover mm-hmm. that once it comes up. But it's going to be very interesting to see what route the Kraken go here. Uh, the crazy thing is that the, the the expansion draft is Wednesday and the rookie draft is actually Friday. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Again, I don't that unfortunately with the NHL draft being a futures draft, it's not always a draft that you like to break down a lot because sometimes even the number one overall pick sometimes can take two or three years before he sees the ice. Now, sometimes the last few years, the number one, number two, maybe even far down is three will play the rest of them. You're just not sure when it comes to junior hockey and development. So it'll be very interesting for NHL teams because once you get by the drafts, then it's free agency time and it'll be very interesting with COVID um, how free agency is affected going on into the off season. So I think that's going to wrap up NHL because there's so much to talk about in footy. I want to give ourselves plenty of time. Let's jump to it down to the AFL. 
right into the results. I know we recorded last Thursday. We didn't want to talk about this. I don't know if I want to talk about this because it wasn't exactly the most entertaining game in the world as the Geelong Cats knock off the Frio Dockers by 69-131 out in Optus Stadium. Is this more Geelong's dominance or is this more Frio falling at the first hurdle of the chances of making the finals? I think that this was more of a statement by Geelong. I mean, I think that, yes, Frio did not show up at home, and it was a tough one for them to go out and lose in front of their home fans. But I think that Geelong being able to go out interstate, especially in the crazy COVID environment that we're living in right now, able to get four goals out of, da- out of Hawkins, three out of Dangerfield, and just have an all-around fantastic game away from home at a tough place to play. I think that's really good for them, and I think that really just goes to show how good Geelong is and how seriously they need to be considered in the finals race. Yeah, and just to, to dominate Frio, and again, Frio, unfortunately, with their goal-kicking woes, kicking 3-13 in this game, just absolutely, it is damn near impossible to win games of footy if you cannot kick straight. We jump to it, to the 300-game man and Jack Rewell and the Richmond Tigers take down the Brisbane Lions 106-86 up in Metricon Stadium after having to be moved after some of the Victorian lockdown. But, man, does Jack Rewell put on a show for his 300th game, kicking six goals and helping the Tigers win. But as celebratory as that game was, disaster strikes as the man, the myth, the legend that is Dusty Martin goes down with what is now called a lacerated kidney, and he will be out the rest of the season and cannot do any kind of uh, training with contact for at least three months. Yeah, it's it's definitely a victory, but at what cost type of, of mentality for the Tigers. Uh, great performance by Jack Revolt with six goals on his 300th game. So congrats to him. He's an absolute legend of the game, part of a great footy family in the Revolt family. And I think that for Richmond, this is this is a win that they really needed. Uh, going interstate and playing against Brisbane at, the, at Metricon was uh, always going to be a tough matchup, especially with how Brisbane has been playing as of late. And I got to say, the loss of Eric Hipwood, it, it wasn't necessarily the killer blow for the Lions, but it definitely wouldn't have, would not have hurt to have him in there. And I think that this is a big one in terms of, of getting Richmond at least back on the right track to potentially make finals this year. It's going to be tougher now that we did say with Dusty being out for the season. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the veteran leadership of the Tigers and those premiership winners that are littered in that team can step up to play, step up to bat and get this Richmond team back into the eight. They're right now on the outside looking in, but if they can pull out a couple of wins, they could find themselves right back in for a spot in an elimination final. Yeah, definitely. And just, just, this was Richmond Tiger footy. This was the footy that we've been used to the entire time. And I mean, Dusty going down mid third quarter didn't really affect the final result, but I almost kind of say it. I think hip Hipwood's loss is affecting Brisbane a lot more than I think coach Fagan and some of the coaching staff want us to believe because this was this was not the same. It just was not the same attack that we've known. Both Cameron and Charlie and, and Joe Danaher have both have just struggled ever since Hipwood has went down. So we will definitely have to see how they bounce back over these next couple of rounds. We jump to it to a game that really was a proving game for both of these teams as St. Kilda falls to Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium 74-61. And is it me, is it me or is it this 
is this poor proving that they're they're a final four contender or is this St. Kilda dropping the ball with another chance to put themselves in the hunt to make the finals? Yeah, this is a tough one, especially when you see eight goals to 13 behinds for St. Kilda and the final result was a 13 point win. I mean, that's it. That's the three, three kicks straight in that. That gets you the win, but I think this is really big for Port Adelaide, kind of with the same reason I was talking about with Geelong earlier. Tough game going interstate. Yes, it was at Marvel, and yes, it was against the St. Kilda team that's been very inconsistent this year, but it's a very good win for Port, and I think that it definitely goes to show that, yes, they are prone to dropping one or two here and there, but there's still talent spread all over this this Port Adelaide team, and I think that they're definitely a contender for that top four. They've got Sydney and Brisbane hot on their – on their tails, but if they can just keep riding the wave of momentum from that win against St. Kilda, I think that we'll see Port Adelaide hosting or being in the top four come the end of the season. That's going to be very difficult to knock them off. I know they still have a couple of more difficult games, so we'll definitely have to see, but this, this really was a Port team solidifying themselves and really wanting to stamp themselves in. But I do, I do take a little bit of that. I think St. Kilda dropped an opportunity to win this game. They were in it for so much of it and just could not put it through the big sticks to be able to change it. We jumped to that and the Gold Coast Suns give a little bit of a scare to the doggies, but the doggies pull it off by 11, 90 to 79. So is this Gold Coast team proving that they're really good or did the doggies underperform in this one? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think that Gold Coast putting 79 on the dogs is a, is a badge of honor for them, especially with the fact that they've been struggling over the course of the past couple of years. And I think it's a really good job for them to be able to compete with a very fast-paced team like the Western Bulldogs. But this is the a bit of a coming-out game for the number one overall pick in the, in the previous draft, Jamar Ugelhagen with three goals in this game. And that ends up proving to – help the dogs get the win in this game. And it might not have been the most convincing performance by the dogs, but they're able to stay in that second spot right now, right ahead of Geelong on percentage and just behind the team that we'll talk about next, the Melbourne demons. Yeah, we jump from, we jump from there. We jump to the MCG and empty MCG sees quite a classic as the hapless Hawthorne Hawks pull out a draw against the mighty Melbourne demons and here it is, sir. Are the demons fading? Or is this the demons not giving the respect to lower teams like they have all season, only having lost to teams outside of the eight? Yeah, this is, this is a really confusing one. And I think it's funny because when you and I and another teammate of ours met up to go to Kansas City for our footy match over the weekend, we watched the very last little bit of this game. And, and you came up to me like, Brad, look, it's a draw. And I'm like, no, it's not. Come on. And and lo and behold, it's 79-79. And that's what it goes out with as the final score. And Luke Bruce with a very late goal to give the draw to the Hawthorne Hawks, get them two points. And I think it's really interesting because, like you said, the Ds have been really underperforming against lower quality teams, almost in a way playing down to the level of their opposition, which is not what you want to see in terms of a ladder leading team that could be even higher in terms of their points ratio if they had just been able to pull out wins over certain teams that aren't necessarily big name teams. And then for the Hawks, it's, it's one of those big ones that yes, they've been having trouble all season. And yes, it's been quite a, 
a strange situation with the naming of Sam Mitchell as the next coach in waiting. But I think it's really good for them to be able to go get two points and split, split the, split the spoils in a way against a really tough Melbourne team. So it's really interesting that, that it ended up in a draw. Yeah. That was one of those where I think the, the biggest narrative that I saw out of it, and it's always interesting how this happens is if Hawthorne loses, it's the player's fault. If Hawthorne wins or plays well, it's Clarkson is the, the magician that is, that is the coach. So it's, it's a very fascinating narrative that I always see come out. And this was, Hawthorne dirtied this game up, plain and simple. They they did not let Melbourne get out and play. And I, I agree with what some people said. I I've seen Melbourne do this too many times this season against underperforming teams, as they do. They, I think they play down. I think there's almost I hate using this word, but I almost agree with it. It's been said is there's almost an arrogance with Melbourne that they just believe they're going to win because they've won so many big games that I think they believe that they were going to beat Hawthorne. And when Hawthorne punched him in the mouth, they didn't respond the way they normally should. So it's very, they're definitely going to be a team. You're going to want to keep an eye on over these next few weeks because they, they got a really big one this weekend. And I think this, it's going to be the, the marquee point of the season what happens this weekend in this marquee matchup we'll talk about that a little later in our tips we'll move on from that to an absolutely cracking game a game that for the first half was there there was probably some Essendon fans that were a little terrified as the the North Melbourne Roos get up early but Essendon pulls it out late Essendon wins 92-74 in this one another tough physical game and the Roos are just continuing to prove they are just going to battle no matter who they play And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have just lost Brad in this communication, unfortunately. So I think I'm going to continue talking to see if we can wait and see if he comes back. I hope we have not lost him in this here. I'm going to try to get a hold of him. This is... (laughs) This is completely live, and unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I have lost Brad in this, so I'm just going to continue to keep talking and hopefully see if I can get him back. But this it'll be very, very interesting to see how this goes. I will continue to keep discussing this. Um, we'll move on from there to Collingwood v. Carlton, the old rivals facing each other again, and I think we have Brad back. Brad, are you back? Yep, I'm, Yep, I just got back. Okay, I have kind of ad I kind of ad lived. We didn't. We just started to move on to the next game on that. So I didn't know if you wanted to. Did you? What did you catch and what did you not catch of my kind of discussion over Essendon kind of beating this North Melbourne team that just continues to kind of work their way and in, in stay in games. Yeah, I was going to add to that. I think that, like you were saying, North Melbourne is kind of coming into their own a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. I mean, if we looked at their recent results they've put up 70 or more points in each of their last four games they put 72 up on gold coast in a win 79 up on the bulldogs in a loss 70 on the eagles in a win and 74 on essendon in a loss so i think they're actually a little bit unlucky right now to be at the bottom of the ladder at the moment because as of late they've really been playing a lot better but essendon really is playing finals footy right now i mean they have a really 
good squad. And I think that Essendon are going to be a really tough team to beat for anyone over the next couple of weeks. So I think that if they keep up this form, they could definitely see themselves inside the eight heading into the heading into the finals. Yeah, I agree. Essendon is going to be a very interesting one. If they can continue to pull off wins, they're definitely a chance to get in to the finals. We jump to it. The old rivals face each other and a ton of emotion in this game as Jack Silvani plays after losing his grandfather earlier in the weekend and Carlton pulls out the win by 29, 91-62. And you got to say, an impressive performance by Jack Silvani just after losing the Carlton great and his grandfather, Serge Silvani. Yeah, definitely a tough thing to go out and do and all credit to him and rest in peace to his grandfather. I mean, it's just a terrible thing to have to go and play a match right after you lose a family member. But like you said, a great performance by Carlton. It was a great comeback win for them, able to come back and end up winning pretty convincingly by 29 points with an explosive fourth quarter, coming back little by little in the third and then coming back in that fourth quarter and just piling it on. And for Collingwood, I mean, this just kind of goes along with the narrative of the whole season. It's like glimmers of hope and then completely come crashing down. And it's really unfortunate for them because they've got a lot more quality within that Collingwood locker room than it has shown in terms of the results. So they've got a lot of stuff both on and off the field to figure out. And I think that Collingwood is just waiting for the offseason to come around as soon as possible. Yeah, this was just, I think this is finally the Carlton that I wanted to see the entire year. The Carlton is going to be tough. They're going to win games. They're just, they're just going to be there when the whips are cracking. I hope they continue on, keep on going on like this. And, and another absolutely all Australian style performance by Sam Walsh, absolutely ridiculously outstanding performance. Definitely. He put Carlton on his back, said, boys, I'm taking you to the promised land. And he delivered we jump over to the adelaide over oval where the two teams that neither of us have any confidence in played each other and darn it did they do it to us again they did it to us again the west coast eagles knock off the adelaide crows 98 56 darn you west coast yeah i mean i i'm i'm speechless i mean we we can't pick a west coast result right to save our lives can we uh, nope. But a, a convincing win for the the West Coast slash Perth slash wherever they're actually going to play Eagles, Cripps with five goals, Liam Ryan with three goals and four behinds, and Andrew Gaff with a great performance out of the midfield. So well done for the Eagles, even though I don't want to admit it because they keep pissing me off every single week by saying, oh, I'm not going to pick them and they're going to win now. Oh, I'm going to pick them now and now they're going to lose. So I guess – Whatever I choose for the Eagles, you know that the opposite is going to happen. So whenever we pick this next West Coast game, you may as well just let me pick first, and then you can just pick the opposite of me, and then we'll just go ahead and add a positive tally to your, to your list. It's either that, or, either that or we think about it, we think about what we think, and then we go with the exact opposite of whatever we think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just kind of the way it goes. Now, before we, before we jump into the last game, just because I think it's kind of, a, it's kind of perfect to discuss it, is, oh, my gosh, the COVID chaos absolutely has just been ripping through this entire competition, whether before this round or even after. But this, this next game between GWS and Sydney was probably the one that had the most – twists, turns, and roller coaster style loop-de-loops that you'll ever think of as, 
I think 45 minutes before first bounce, we find out that Toby Green, Matt DeBoer, Harry Cunningham, and Callum Mills, two players from each team, will both not be able to play in this game to the point where I know at least two of the Sydney Swans players that were supposed to come in both had played the day before. They had to hop in because the new classifications of Tier 1 compared to Tier 3 to the point where those four players all had to be isolated for 14 days no matter if they came back with a positive test or not. It's just absolutely insane. And the start of the game definitely kind of showed that one team responded a little bit better as GWS jumps out to a nice little 35-point lead in the first half. But boy, oh boy, was did it did it change as the Sydney Swans come roaring back with a nine goal blitz over the end of the first half into the second half and pull out a nice little twenty six point win ninety eight seventy two. You got to say it, Brad. We discussed this a little bit yesterday at training when we when we had practice. And tell the tell everybody what did you almost do when it got to be about thirty five points. Oh, I did the old Brad tactic, and I almost turned the game off. It got to it got to that thirty-five point gap, and I was just like, "Eh, I'm gonna wait two more minutes, and if GWS scores one more goal, I'm out." And luckily, that was right at the point when the Swans turned it on. And you know, as crazy as this game was, I'm I'm gonna go back to what I said in the, in the prediction last week. I said Sydney wins a classic, and Buddy kicks a bag. And damn it, I was one buddy goal away from being spot on it it was a fantastic game with great performances by parker and and kennedy out of the middle and then four goals by each of franklin and papley with wits getting two as well so i was one goal away from him getting his bag and it would have been crazy to see that go to fruition but he did kick his 400th sydney goal and he is now up to i believe 980 so he's just 20 away from or something around there to kicking goal number 1000 over the course of his AFL career which will be an unprecedented just incredible milestone for Buddy Franklin to hit. Yeah, it'll be absolutely I'm hoping I'm hoping he does it this year but we'll definitely have to see there's still five games left in the regular season. And then potentially the finals, as long as Sydney can hold on, but definitely a performance that I like you, it got to be 35 and I sat there watching it and the game was on at 3am and I went, Oh man, this is going to be a long, long night. And to see the comeback and to see Papley kick some of the, I mean, the soccer goal that he, that he kicked, you cannot tell me he didn't, you cannot tell me he knew he was going to kick that goal. His facial expression after he kicked it was like, Oh my gosh, I did that. Did I seriously just do that? It was just the absolute. You, you know, it's great best. when you see all these amazing players that are extremely talented and they just go and wow themselves with a, with a piece of individual brilliance. So yeah, like you said, it was just an incredible goal. That one by, by Papley. So it, it's great to see the Swans run out victors in that and put themselves now up to 44 points. And they're now three games clear of the, bottom eight right or the bottom of the of the ladder right now so that's really big for them to take that next step and get themselves in a position where they could contend for top four if certain results go a certain way and is it crazy to think that last year this club finished 16th in the ladder just shows you with the right coaching and the right mix of players that anything is possible you can go from 16th to 
into the finals potentially so i mean covid chaos continues to just continue to strike in the in the afl south australia went into another lockdown so now port adelaide and adelaide games have now been moved from south australia to either mar to victoria at marvel stadium for both of them i i I'm going to say it real quickly. I'm, I'm kind of tired of all of the complaining about integrity of this season because in the long run, it's a field. There's no fans. They're going to have to play the games where it's played specifically in what stadium. I'm really not that worried about it. I really think that we need to get the games in because if we stop, and it's been the discussion point, if they stop, they may not get the season back up again. Yeah, and I love a thing that Wayne Gretzky once said. He said that great players are able to adapt to any era and any condition of play. And I think that the same goes in any sport. So the best players, no matter where they play, no matter how many fans they play in front of, the best players are going to bring it every time. So I think that regardless of whether there's 100,000 fans or if there are zero fans, if they're playing at home, or 2,000 miles away, they're going to show up. If there's a field, they're going to play. So I, I think that it's great for these players, given the circumstances that they're getting the games in. And I got to credit the AFL for being able to logistically pull it off. I mean, I bet it was a logistical nightmare week in and week out, trying to make sure that they're able to get the, the venues and the accommodations right. But, I mean, I got to give my hat off, to, take my hat off to them because they're doing something really quite special there. Uh, absolutely crazy you got to give it to them they've done everything they can to to get these games through there's 45 games left let's hopefully we can get through all of them very very quickly let's jump right into our tips let's start it off friday night footy sees port adelaide at marvel stadium technically as the host versus the collingwood magpies do the port does port continue it or do the pies find a way to upset the mighty power well, this was, a, this was an interesting one earlier on in the season. Collingwood was almost able to pull off an upset at the MCG earlier this season when they played Port the first time. I think that Port are a little bit in a better situation right now. I think that Collingwood's weird, like sometimes good, sometimes not good train has just been going all the way through the season. Yes, they had that glimmer of hope when they beat the D's in Bucks's last game, but I think that Port are in that mode right now. They're focused squarely on getting into the top four to get that double chance. So I think that Porter are going to end up winning this game. I think it's going to be a tough one. I don't think it's going to be easy because Colin would know how to turn it on in a moment's notice if they ever want to. So I think it's going to be tough, but I think Port wins. All right, we jump from there. I am also going to go Port on that one. I think Port is just a little bit too strong. Uh, Collingwood has just been a, way too inconsistent, and I think I do hear there's chances of Butters and Dersma both potentially being up for selection, which I think is a nice little buoy for the Port Adelaide power. We jump to it. Carlton hosting the North Melbourne Roos at Marvel Stadium, and I'm going to go with Carlton on this one. This is going to be a nice cracking game because North is going to give it, but I think Carlton's just got a little too much. I think Sammy Walsh and some of these guys are really playing better footy to the point now where I think Carlton's going to make a push to potentially put themselves in the eight. Watch this. I'm going the Roos here. I'm going to go Carlton is going to pull the same old Carlton, and I think that North Melbourne's positive run of play even though they haven't won every game their in, in their increase in the level of their play is going to pay off and i think that it's going to be a mix of carlton having a bad day and i think north melbourne are going to show up on the day i think that 
both of them playing in Melbourne. I think that the Roos are going to pull off a little bit of an upset here. I'm going to go with North Melbourne in this one. Not a bad one, though. Not a bad one. If if I if, if one of the upsets potentially that that was definitely one I could potentially see. Here's another one that I've got my ears pricked up on, especially Bris- the Q Clash at the Gabba Brisbane Lions v Gold Coast Suns. Do the Gold Coast continue their nice run of form and nip a Lions team that's definitely wounded? But or do the Lions bounce back with a roaring competition against the Suns? I think this is going to be a tough one. I think that if Gold Coast wins, it wouldn't necessarily be an enormous surprise. I think actually that Gold Coast are going to start the game off well, but I think that similar to the GWS Sydney game over the past weekend, I think that Brisbane's going to start off slow and then work their way back into the game and they're going to win it by a slim margin. I think that they're going to start to slowly overcome the Hipwood absence. I don't think it's going to be I don't think that I don't think they're they're going to completely get over it, but I think that they're going to start to find more ways that work without him. And I think that Danaher being there as a, as he wasn't there last year, I think it's going to be really helpful. I think that Brisbane's going to start off slow, but I do think that the Lions will end up winning this game. I'm I'm with you, but I think this is going to be an absolute cracking game. Gold Coast wins this; it will not surprise me at all. We jump out to Optus Stadium, and our Bugaboo team, sir. Here it is. Here here's where we get to see it. West Coast Eagles, St. Kilda Saints, Optus Stadium. Biggest thing that I want to remind you this, St. Kilda will be without Rowan Marshall. He is another one of those that was de- was dinged for a Tier 1 um, exposure site after going to a going to a pub for a drink after the footy after the rugby game that he attended. So no Rowan Marshall. So Eagles, Saints, who you got? I'm conflicted here. I said I was never picking West Coast again, but then again, St. Kilda don't have Rowan Marshall. So uh, I I think that West Coast is going to win. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick St. Kilda, but then because of the (laughs) fact that I'm picking St. Kilda, that means the Eagles are going to win. So there's your pick, Donnie, that you can go ahead and say the obvious winner now that I've said St. Kilda. Well, I was I I, I was going to pick the Eagles even before you you had that great brain teaser there. Um, I, the Eagles have played well at home. I think the Saints are inconsistent. Even with Rowan Marshall, I think Natanui is one of the few that can actually match up with the two-headed monster that is Rowan and Patty and be even. I've seen glimmers uh, of some better play. I just think they've, they've just struggled to kind of have some continuity. I think the Adelaide game really gave them a lot of confidence. And uh, so I think I think this will be the kind of the start of the rejuvenation, hopefully, of the Perth style Eagles, where they're incredibly, incredibly difficult to beat at home. So I will go the Eagles. The next matchup is the matchup of the entire round. I'm almost thinking about getting up just to watch this game live. 4:25 a.m. here in Des Moines, at least. Melbourne v the Western Bulldogs at the MCG. Who do you got? Oh boy, this is such a tough one to call. I'm going to pick the dogs and I th- I'm going to pick them because I think that they're going to be looking for revenge after the first time out. The, the D's kind of gave them a little bit of a reality check, kind of got them back into a, okay, we need to get, get our butt into gear type of mode. Yes. They allowed 79 points to gold coast last weekend. I think that was a little bit of a, non-impressive defensive performance and yes the week before they lost to Sydney 
But I do think that the dogs just have a little bit more talent in there. I think that it's going to be such an even matchup. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, kind of similar to that Melbourne Hawks match that we watched the end of last weekend. I'm going to go with the dogs here, but this is such a toss-up game. For me, I look at it like this. Melbourne's played six teams in the eight. They are 6-0. and oh. They've already played this doggies team, and they beat them. I agree with you. The doggies are looking for revenge. I think they got their – I mean, proverbially, I hate to say use this pun, but the, the dogs got their nose rubbed in their own, you know what, after that game. Um, so, but I, for me, I kind of agree with what pun, what, 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 what one pundit said in Melbourne. If I could eventually speak, it would be great. English is hard. I know, right? <laughs> no, um, a pundit in Melbourne said this. He said, he said, when it comes to it, he says he thinks the reason Melbourne plays so well against the top six is because most top six teams play the way they want to play, and they're not going to strategically try to take away what Melbourne's strengths are, where bottom sides have to because they don't have the same talent. And I think that really showed how Alistair Clarkson would not let Lever in May be free. He made sure that he had a forward shoulder to shoulder to them for most of the game, which I think could, took their ability to intercept Mark away. And I think opened up the game and really kept Hawthorne in the game late. So I'm going to go with the D's on this one because I see it like this. I don't think the dogs are going to change. Dunkley is out because of a tier of a tier one for getting a coffee. Shalor is still out. They still have some injuries. And I like Max gone against any of the Ruckman, even Tim English for the for the Bulldogs. I just I, I like the way they're playing. I think Jamara Uglehagen is is gonna have a fun and I don't have fun, I mean an asterisk because he's gonna get Mayor Lever and it's going to be a long night. I'm gonna pick the D's on this one, but this one is a toss-up. I think this one is going to be an absolutely magnificent game of footy. I cannot want to wait to watch that one. This one has been relocated from South Australia, is now at Marvel as the Adelaide Crows take on the Hawthorne Hawks. And I'm on the Hawks bandwagon on this one. The Crows have been absolutely putrid. I'm going with the Hawks in this one. Yeah, I'm going Hawks too. I think that the performance against Melbourne last week was very good in terms of building a little bit of morale within the locker room, trying to rally the troops around, around Clarko in the last little bit of his career. Yes, I think that the the room themselves should get more credit than Clarkson at this point, because I think that the players, especially now that they're down in the bottom half of the ladder, need to step it up to be able to show that they deserve to play under the new coach. So I think that Hawthorne will end up running out winners here. Yeah, so we jump down to a game that you and I are both be keeping major eyes on and actually a decent time for both you and I to watch this live, and that is Sydney Swans at Metricon Stadium hosting the Fremantle Dockers. Who do you got? Do the Swans continue their winning streak or the Dockers find a way to nip the Swans again? I'm going to go Sydney. I think it's going to be another revenge game for the Swannies. I think that Frio's goal-kicking woes are going to keep sh- showing their ugly head And it's really unfortunate because I think that the Dockers are a team that can really compete for a final spot with Essen and Richmond. But I I just think that their goal kicking has just been putrid, kind of the way that it has been for Brisbane over the last couple of years. And that was one of the things that plagued them. But I think that Sydney really know how to get up for big games, especially this year. They put in 
a respectable performance against the D's. They beat the Dogs. They've beaten Geelong. They just beat GWS in a comeback fashion at Metricon in the craziest of circumstances. And if you saw the team song in the room at the end of the game, you can see that there's a real family and united mentality within the Swans room. I think that they're really getting together right now. I think that they're getting good at the right time, which is really exciting for us as Swans fans. I think it's going to be a tough game. It's always tough against Frio because they've got a lot of really good players, especially in the middle. But I think that the Sydney Swans are going to end up winning again. We'll just have to see. Maybe we'll get a repeat of Buddy kicking Buddy kicking several goals against this. But the biggest thing that I want to know is, is does Sean Darcy play? Because if Sean Darcy plays, I think this game becomes a little more even just because I think Darcy really toweled up Hickey in that first game. So I really want to see, does Hickey make adjustments if Darcy plays? And does Rory Lobb play? Because Rory Lobb was the thorn in the side for Sydney in that first game. So I'm definitely interested to see if those two big men play. I, like you, I'm also going to tip the Swans. I think Frio is really, really reeling after a disastrous performance against the the Cats. They have not traveled well. Um, I'm happy to see Dave Mundy has signed another year contract, so I'm, I'm glad to see that Dave Mundy, a, an absolute class act in the game of footy, is continuing on another season. I'm hoping he gets to 400. That would be absolutely amazing, but I'm going to have the Swans in that game against Frio, but I think that's going to be a really good game. I cannot wait for that one. Um, another marquee matchup in this round that I'm also looking forward to will be the Geelong Cats versus the Richmond Tigers. I'm a tiny bit upset that the AFL was not able to grant Richmond's request to have this down at GMHBA down in Geelong. I think they're doing a little bit of a disservice considering there will be no fans. I don't really see the change. Maybe it's a contractual thing that they have to play a certain amount of games in the MCG, unlike last year when they couldn't. Um, so this one's Cats v. the Tigers. I'm going to have the Cats in this one. I think Dusty's loss is going to loom very, very large in this game specifically. Yeah, I think that the numbers and the quality in Geelong's midfield are going to overpower Richmond with the absence of Dusty. I think that, as we've seen over the course of the last five years, Dusty's a game changer. And when he's not in that lineup, it completely takes away an aspect of Richmond's game. Yes, they did. They had a really good performance against Brisbane last week, but I think that this Geelong team is a, is a different breed right now. They are very, very hot. They're very in form. And I, I think that Geelong's going to have another really good game come out on the MCG grand final rematch. Like I said, these revenge games are really honestly the funnest ones to watch because you get to see just how bad the other team wants to get back. And I think that Geelong believe in themselves and i think they're going to get up for this one i think they're going to end up getting the win here yeah that'll be absolutely crazy to see this one it could be absolutely spectacular game of footy the last game of the round sees essendon at metricon stadium hosting the gws giants and do the giants bounce back after disastrous performance or does essendon keep their finals hope alive with a big win over a team also fighting for the finals I'm going the Bombers here. I, I really like the way they've been playing lately. I think that they're getting up for it. They believe that they're finally ready to get back to the finals and finally compete to win a match in the finals. So I think that they're going to be a, t- a tough test for GWS. I think that a couple of injuries they had in the last game are going are gonna to pile up a little bit more. And then, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see whether or not there are any more COVID cases or anything within the Giants rooms or if any Essendon players pop up with one. Hopefully there's no more of that. 
but I do think the Essence quality is going to show up a little bit more, and they're going to win it against GWS. Yeah, Toby Green and Matt DeBoer not, both not being there, I think, are a couple of big hits. That and the fact that I'm not sure if Matt Flynn's going to be able to play. Big Mummy will come in, so it'll be interesting to see Mummy versus Draper, a couple of unique rucking characters shall we say but i'm 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 with you on this one i got the bombers i think the bombers abilities and the way they've been playing jake stringer contract season so he goes absolutely bananas which is very interesting to watch them rise with with jake stringer so i'm gonna go with the bombers on that one and that will end our round 19 tipping which brings us to my favorite part of the entire podcast thankfully he's back so we can get it in brad's crazy stat of the week so I've got my crazy stat, and then I've also got a bit of breaking news that has popped up just in the last couple of minutes here. And I don't know if you saw this, Donnie, but there is a report coming out of Iowa City that the University of Iowa is planning to name the field at Kinnick Stadium in honor of Duke Slater. So it'll end up becoming Duke Slater Field at Kinnick Stadium, which is absolutely fantastic a football pioneer in the United States of America and a name that a lot of people might not necessarily know, but a lot more people should. And for any of you listeners out there who don't know who Duke Slater is, please look him up. He's a fantastic person, a pioneer in the game of American football and a university of Iowa icon. He is just an absolute legend in the state of Iowa. So congrats to the Slater family and to the late great Duke Slater. And it's great to see him getting the, honor and recognition that he truly does deserve and, Amen. and then and we'll I go ahead and move. agree oh yeah let's let's move on now to the crazy stat of the week and we have a new nba champion in the milwaukee bucks for the first time in 50 years they are the nba champions knocking the phoenix suns off in six games and our crazy stat is Giannis Antetokounmpo, the greek freak two-time mvp 211 total points in the NBA Finals in six games, which is an absolutely crazy number. And not even Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant could say that they ever had that many points in an NBA Finals debut. And it's the third most points in an NBA Finals debut behind only Rick Barry and Jerry West, which is absolutely crazy. That's absolutely insane. Another absolutely fantastic one. And actually, I don't know if you saw this. There, there's actually another news story that I, I got to get your opinion on really quick before we. I end think the I know episode. what you're talking about. I think I the know. Houston what you're Chron- the Houston Chronicle is reporting that Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the SEC about potentially leaving the Big Twelve and joining the SEC. And let's just safe to say the Texas A&M AD is not happy about it your thoughts as an Oklahoma fan on the potential of Texas and Oklahoma looking at joining the SEC well I'll start off by saying this as a fan it it pisses me off because one I hate the SEC I'm just not an SEC fan because of the fact that I'm an (laughs) Oklahoma fan and that we we usually tend to clash when it term when it comes to teams and rivalries and stuff like that but I mean, you, you do have to look at this from multiple angles and you have to wonder from a business viewpoint that it probably could land some serious money in terms of TV profits coming from the CBS deal and the SEC network with ESPN and the marquee matchups every year with likes of Alabama, Auburn, Florida, and more. So there, there are definite positives and negatives 
So it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, it would likely really throw things into the toilet for the Big 12, though. The, I mean, OU and Texas are the, are the two marquee schools. I mean, you, you do see Kansas in basketball a lot. You see other teams like Baylor and Texas Tech have good years in football every now and then. And then Iowa State, of course, in, in football in recent years and basketball as well. So if OU and Texas were to leave, you would have to wonder, do the big, does the Big 12 have alternates lined up to potentially replace them? And, and if not, then what on earth do you do with the conference? Because that takes you down even two less teams. And it increases the size of the SEC. And then it also throws the college football playoff into question, how that's going to look with conference champions and then with the potential of expansion at large teams and there's just so many branch offs you can take with this potential scenario. So it's, it's really interesting, but personally I I don't want it to happen because I like the OU Texas rivalry in the big 12. And I I think that the big 12 deserves to have big schools like OU and Texas. So it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks to see where this goes. As a massive college sports fans, I am completely behind you. I think this is this is a greed move. This is a move to move into the SEC more for the money, and for I think this is more of a football move than anything. Because no offense to Oklahoma and Texas, but until these last couple of years, they have not been a great addition to any other sport besides football. If you're being completely honest, maybe softball uh, in some situations, but that's not a major money-making sport. Like if we're going purely on finances here, this is a football move, plain and simple. And I don't think it's a good idea. If it does happen, I see more of the big 12 folding and these teams dispersing to the point where you could see Iowa exactly in, in Kansas or Iowa state. Yeah. Iowa state, Kansas, Kansas state trying to get into the big 10. Because it's really the only big conference that they're going to fit unless they want to join the American conference, which would be fine, but they're already big enough as it is. So it'd be quite interesting. But if that happens, I would I, I would hate to say it, but I, you would almost think Oklahoma State, many of the any of the other Texas schools would try to get in as well. But then that would really throw off the split. You would end um, up possibly having like a super league almost. A super conference, basically, and which, like I said, if that happened, then the Big Ten would probably try to snatch up as many of the others, which would be fascinating as a Big Ten fan getting Iowa State in the Big Ten. Yeah, so definitely. That, it, it's it's so many things. We we can just let's discuss this another time. I think it's absolutely great. But I I, I had to I had to bring it out since you had talked about that. I, I knew really I knew quickly. you were coming with that when you said I've got another story for you. I was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. Yeah, because I saw I saw it pop up on my thing. So, all right. Well, my my co-host here has 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 an engagement he has to get to. So we're kind of kind of cut this episode a tiny bit shorter than we normally do. A little bit of a lighter week, but still some great things to talk about. Brad, it's been an amazing conversation again, sir. Yeah, definitely. And we've got a little bit more soccer coming up in terms of Copa Libertadores coming down into the latter stages of the round of 16, getting into the quarterfinals. We'll talk about the quarterfinals as they get shaped up over the course of this upcoming week and into next week. We can talk about that. Gold Cup is going to wind down and get into the latter stages of its knockout stage. And then we're going to have a lot more stuff to talk about. We'll have we'll have the makings of a Seattle Kraken team. We'll be able to go over the results of the expansion draft and see where we think they'll sh- they'll stack up in the Western Conference 
and expectations as compared to them with Vegas. So we'll get to see how that shows out. And another classic round of footy to, to discuss. And who knows, even if we wanted to, we could even talk Champions League qualifying because I don't know if I told you this, Celtic is already playing in the Champions League. In the second round of the Champions League qualifiers versus Michieland. Their second leg is Wednesday of next week. So I'm very excited for that. Maybe we can even discuss a little Champions League qualifying if we want to. So ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. Again, thank you again, Brad, for joining me. And we will see you again next week.